and streaming podcast. This is episode 36. Does sure. that make sense? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. I think the even ones are, are our discussion podcast. This is episode 36 of the Kicking and Streaming podcast. Uh, I am your host, Johnny Lake. And with me, as always, uh, the ineffable Kevin Hill. I don't know what that word means. Johnny, I am feeling great. I am rolling on that just coffee, no food high that you get <laughs> about 20 one. minutes after you wake up. I'm feeling active. My mind, my mind like, is life's best oof. legal highs. Yes, the best legal high around, <laughs> unless you live in like six states now. True. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's much better legal highs there, but for now it'll have to be coffee and no food. Say Just it with chasing me. that feeling. Say it with me. Mm-hmm. States rights. <laughs> states rights. <laughs> I'm not gonna go full support of states rights because that's okay. how a civil war happened. Yeah, that's there's there's <laughs> there's a lot more depth to that joke than <laughs> you can really just say. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's a beautiful morning. We're recording on a morning. Uh, it's the weekend. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? I know we touched base last night <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to wake up around 8 a.m. and I'll uh, wake you up when everything's set up and we'll get the coffee going and we'll have a podcast. And it's now at 1041. <laughs> yeah. That was the fullest six hour, eight hour sleep I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. That's the thing though, man. You know what I've realized is that you can't say you're going to wake up early hours beforehand yeah you can't i think you shouldn't it's like a jinx yes yes absolutely it's then, like it's like talking to a uh, pitcher midway through uh, like a perfect game mm-hmm. if he's thrown like you know six innings so far like 10 strikeouts no one's gotten on base you don't talk to him at all you stay away from him in the dugout yeah. if i think i'm gonna get up in the morning i gotta tell nobody yeah absolutely yeah it has to be a secret thing yeah because then the anxiety it, of just having to wake up that early and knowing people are knowing (laughs) you're going to be trying to wake up that early and then knowing the feeling that if you don't wake up that early shame the shame but like the good shame (laughs) you know the good shame i did a bad thing (laughs) i think we could write a book on this i slept in yeah the psychology of of sleeping in of sleeping in there should also be a book on the psychology of setting a bunch of alarms on your phone, but then just turning them off after every 15 minutes they turn on. And if that's a better sleep yeah. than just a regular eight hours. I'm really bad at that. Like the other night, I was so adamant that I was going to get up early. I literally set 25 alarms. Oh, yeah. Which is pointless. Mm-hmm. Like you get up. And the first one is like, oh, what is this? Okay, I'm gonna snooze, and then, and then before the first alarm snooze is even over, the second alarm starts, and you're like, all right, what, what is? No, no, stop, stop. That, that came too quickly. Yeah, that came way <laughs> too quickly. You condition yourself to not. Uh, I, I am, I am the worst perpetrator of this, and I, I, I know I gotta get a lot better because I can, I have to set like one alarm in the morning, mm-hmm. and then. Like, it's got to just be either I'm getting up or I'm not getting up. Yeah. Because I, I can't police myself enough uh, with, like, a bunch of alarms to, like, shame myself into getting awake. Like, I've got to, I've got to like, put the phone across the room or something mm-hmm. and get one of those, like, 
apps where you have to solve math problems or like talk about politics into yeah into it before it disengages the alarm yeah i had one of those uh and you had to take a photo of your room really in, in order to turn off the alarm but here's what i learned <laughs> if you just turn off your phone <laughs> the alarm goes away <laughs> So you, like, hit the power my button? S- sleeping body has trained myself when I hear that alarm to just turn off my phone. Yeah, it's terrible. See, and the, and the thing is, there are two versions of sleeping Johnny that are at odds with the Johnny that wants to wake up early and go do things. Yeah, there's there's the Johnny that hasn't gotten enough sleep, and then there's the Johnny that's gotten too much sleep, and waking up from either of them is like like it, it's the same thing like it's the the first time it, it's like waking up from death i mean you know me i do weird stuff in my sleep sometimes mm-hmm. so waking up from blissful the depths of sleep well rested and probably a little bit past it yeah is like no just let me sleep for the rest of my life let me die and then the one that's underslept where I'm like getting my very much needed REM phase, mm-hmm. and then and then it's like ding dong, ding dong, ding 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 dong. You still have and church that's bells thing. as that's an alarm. That's another thing. I have very many different alarm tones because I think if I keep my sleepy brain like on its toes, <laughs> that somehow that'll like make it better for me, like easier to wake up in the morning. I don't know. John, do you have a cell phone that was made after two thousand five? You know what? Uh, the iPhone has a lot of different tones, Kevin. You should expand your horizon. What I'm trying to say is you can make your music your ringtone. I actually, I used to do that with... Or uh, not your ringtone. Well, you can your ringtone, but also, uh, that's a little tacky, but you can. But as your alarm, you can make it I think uh, I used to do that with um, with Porti Volare by Andrea Bocelli. And that was quite pleasant, but eventually... My brain started to not like that mm-hmm. subconsciously. Oh, because your brain hates the song that I would start you getting up. anxious whenever that song would come on. Yeah, I can't listen to the Rolling Stones song. Uh, Time is on your side because that used to be your alarm. That's the wrong message be- to send because for your alarm. It Kevin. was the fir- it's the first song on the Jumping Jack Flash album, and that used to be the album that was in my CD player like all the time. Jumping Jack Flash. That's cool. Um, should we get into it? Sure, let's do it. So a long time ago, yeah, we watched the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, a classic, campy, eighty-eight minute, like low production budget gem of a movie. I'll tell you one thing, though. I did not ever feel like it was very low production budget, like low production value. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm not aware of what good 80s and bad 80s movies looked like, but, like, I never was like, wow, they really probably struggled to film this scene here, <laughs> you know? It's 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 categorized as a B movie yeah. by Wikipedia. Which I think makes sense. And it's also a superhero comedy splatter film. I love the splatter. Yeah. Add it in there. Me too. (laughs) 
virtually ignored upon its first release, The Toxic <laughs> Avenger <laughs> caught on with filmgoers after a long and successful midnight movie engagement at the famed Bleecker Street Cinemas in New York City in hey. late 1985. Yeah. Those must have been some seedy theaters watching that stuff going on. 85 Bleecker Street. Well, you always hear like people who lived in New York in the 80s or like filmmakers would be like, should I do like a French accent? Please. Like, let me tell you, there's no experience like going to Bleecker Street and going to the cinema at one thirty-five in the morning and they put on the Toxic Avenger and you're like, Hello, hey, what is this film? <laughs> <laughs> You know that was one of your better French accent. Uh, thank you. Monologue things. My my accent is like uh, playing that Quarp track uh, game on the computer. <laughs> it starts off good, but at any moment quop. it could yeah quop. quop. It, yeah, it just it can fall backwards or forwards. At or any moment, it can it can just really go down the drain. It can just crush and fall upon. But itself. when everything comes together, it actually looks yeah. and sounds half yeah. decent. Yeah. But you know, like they they found people found the Toxic Avenger back then, just going to like midnight screenings at random theaters. Like they would just like buy tickets to be like, let's see what's being shown at this CD cinema at midnight. Is it porn? No, it's the Toxic Avenger, oh, which is close to porn. It's not porn. Yeah. yeah, there's there's plenty enough uh, yeah. nudity in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's so you're saying this kind of harkens back to a very different cinema and like film movie experience than kind of we have nowadays Mm -hmm. i mean yeah because imagine like (laughs) being like hey have you seen the toxic avenger yet did you see like what's it got on rotten tomatoes what's it got on metacritic what did you know the new york times say what did you know we go into films with so much preconceived information about them and critical thought about them we have way too much information now. Yeah. Look, a toxic Avenger is sexist and it's gory and it's not, you know, n- not politically correct. Like the main teenagers are killing children. <laughs> like for fun. For fun. Not because they're like psychopaths with chainsaws or like they're getting revenge because they were murdered in lakes. Like this is just shitty people in this shitty world and if you can put that aside oh it's pretty fun it It, was pretty fun it's good trash trash humor and trash fun um (laughs) so i want to i want to i want to quote another part from the wikipedia the film has generated three film sequels (laughs) a stage a stage musical production what a video game, and get this, this is the best part, a children's TV cartoon. It's a toxic Avenger! I want to know how many sets of boobs were in the children's TV cartoon. (laughs) I just there were like, what, five in the movie? (laughs) Sets of boobs? Yeah. There's a lot of of boobs. There's a lot of breasts. There's also just the sex scene of the toxic Avenger just over... Yeah, what was his uh his his girlfriend's name? Was it like Sandy? Was it Sandy Sarah? Sarah? I think it was Sarah. Sarah. And you're just like, oh god. Sarah. It did. <laughs> See, okay, so that that that's another thing. So like, 
we watched this movie probably like two and a half, three weeks ago. Yeah, we, we recorded it early with with. Uh, we recorded with Nate. it out of order to get Nate over here. Yeah, and yeah. we were glad to have Nate with us to record it. Um, yeah. And now I'm trying to remember some things, and I don't remember. Like if his voice sounded weird once he became the Toxic Avenger. Oh, oh, it changed. It changed. Okay. Remember, he was like a. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like Morty. Then he became like. (sighs) He became that for a bit, and then he had the voice of like. A, nineteen, thirties movie star. You know what yeah, I'm saying? See? No, 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 no. Not like the not the criminal in a detective story, but like the. Hello, Sarah. I'm here to save you. Do not worry. These rapists will be murdered soon. You know? Do you remember that? I I guess I I kind of. It came out of nowhere. It's time for you to be deep fried. Sticks his hand in like tacos or the deep fryer. Oh, yeah. No, there was a little mo- bit more of an edge to it, though. It was like, it's time for you to be deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I I think puberty really hit him quickly in that bathtub when he turned into the Toxic Avenger. Okay, so speaking of being deep fried and being in the bathroom, what were the movie's best set pieces? Should we run through the plot first to kind of. Like reacquaint the no no. Let's <laughs> ju- <laughs> I don't want to. People I go to the Wikipedia page or, yeah. or watch it, rewatch it. Honestly, if you want it's to a come quick back to this eighty-eight minutes. It's a fun watch. It's, it's eighty-eight fun, minutes. It's fun to play. Can you spot Marissa Tomei? It, it, it's, I, are you sure Marissa Tomei? Is that in was this? her. That was her. She's in on the Wikipedia. But it's 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 a fun thing. It's a fun thing to watch, especially with crappy snacks and with food and and with you know. Uh, beers or some wine or something. Watch it with friends for sure or your partner. It's a it's a goofy time. Oh my god, she really is in this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I doubted you before. You probably you proved me wrong, and then you just had to do it again. But Marissa Tomei is actually in this movie. Yeah, I personally I loved the scenes at the health club, mm-hmm. especially like. The beginning when you kind of just get like you get like a couple tracking shots that were actually like decent and really like set the stage for what everything was like there, what everyone dressed like, and then the soundtrack of like I wanna hear yeah. body talk, body, body talk, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just like setting up like what the the pool was like and how much of like an outcast. Uh, um, our main character was I don't even remember his real name. Did he have a real name? Mitch? No. I guess it was like ner- nerd. They they just called him that. That was just his name before he was the Toxic Avenger. No, wasn't it like Melvin or Neville? Melvin Ferd. Yeah. He's a stereotypical 98-pound weakling who works as a janitor (laughs) at a health club in the fictional town of Tromaville, New Jersey. I remember they said 98-pound nerd in the movie, and I was like, why are we so specific with his weight? Yeah, yeah, that's even mentioned um, in the... In the poster for the movie. He was 98 pounds of solid nerd until he became the Toxic Avenger. 
It's pretty fascinating that, like, in 1984, when they said nerd, though, they meant, like, you know, the Melvin character. <laughs> like, they that's meant what, it in an almost derogatory way. That's what that's what people meant when and they now said it's nerd like, back in that. Now it's like Chris Hardwick is a nerd. <laughs> Don't even get me oh, started on Chris Hardwick. Kevin hates Chris Hardwick. You hate Chris Hardwick. I've been Hardwick. calling him a piece of Chris shit Hardwick. for years. Yeah, you were ahead of the game there, Kevin. Yeah. Um confirmed verified piece of shit now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, now it's like, you know, people who are like LeBron James is like, I'm a nerd. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I like the Star Wars, I'm a nerd. And it's like, no, no, I think, you know. We can't all be nerds. It's now a thing of pride to be like, hey guys, welcome back to my YouTube channel. We're talking about the new Star Wars trailer. I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like if you if you modify your nerdiness, then no. No, I don't think so. so anyway. So Melvin mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> works at a health club where the customers, um, most notably... Bozo Slug. Those are the those are the two male uh, characters' names. Mm-hmm. Bozo and Slug, and their girlfriends Wanda and Julie. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Didn't you got continue. Bozo and Slug. <laughs> yeah, and then you got Wanda and Julie. You think their girlfriends are going to be named something similar, like <laughs> you know, those are two weird Bozo and Slug. What are their girlfriends' names then? Oh, Wanda and Julie. So at their at the, at the marriage of Bozo and Wanda, it, it'll be <laughs> Mrs. Bozo Bosington. <laughs> Wanda. I have to say, the actor who played Bozo, I remember, he was pretty good. I really, really, really enjoyed his villain performance. I mean, he's... He's he does the psycho like kind of detached from reality like kind of roid rage losing his mind thing very well. He had some fantastic facial expressions. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed uh, his kind of campy, goofy, villainy performance. Mm. Oh, sorry about that. Thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what else? Uh, what else from Toxic Avenger? Let's not dwell too long on this. Um. I don't know. Like I like the sort of secondary plot of like the drug dealers and like criminals in town and like the police officer. Yeah. Like there's a corrupt cop in there and the the, the criminals like the ba- big badass criminal's name is Cigarface. <laughs> like that's just his name. Was that the mayor? No, no, no. Oh. Um the uh the police officer's name is O'Clancy. Um, that's the nice police officer who he saves from. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so Cigarface and his gang, this is the Wikipedia, prepare to castrate him. Yeah, Cigarface is the original villain who we were like, you don't name yourself on an activity you do. You name yourself ba- blank face based on what is going on on your face. <laughs> Not you're just like, I like cigars. I have a face. I'm Cigarface. <laughs> that's not how it works that's not how villain names work cigar face and he was like a very very large man the mayor was the mayor was is that so the, the mayor and cigar face are C- two different cigar people? face was a crazy gang guy 
at the beginning. Okay. The mayor was the guy who... The enormous man. The, the enormous man. Who was getting massaged uh, on a table, and then there was like a six-foot hoagie next to him that he was eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Jersey, man. Yeah. <sighs> um, this is it's a fun movie guys yeah check it out and it's got a really heartwarming part where like the people end up loving yeah. the toxic avenger because he protects the city from the bad guys and obviously he has a love interest sarah who's blind because of course mm-hmm. and i don't know it's it's a fun little 88 minute watch the budget was five hundred thousand dollars and the box office was eight hundred thousand dollars so they made their money back. I think they made their money back and more so because I don't think they did a ton of marketing on this. I mean, hopefully they're still getting the actors and everybody are still getting checks from the streaming money for, you know, 12 bucks a month, hopefully. Yeah. You know, something nice, something good. So we also wanted to talk some TV. Well, yes, we have to talk about our next movie as well. Oh, right, right. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're down to two suggestions, correct? We have two movies left from our summer series. We have... HBO is currently streaming the Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, unfinished but released thriller, The Snowman. That was unfinished? Yes. Based on the like amount of marketing and, like, I don't know, showiness that like HBO put into it, I would not have expected that it had a troubled production. Well, apparently the director didn't get to finish 10% of the scenes that was planned to be filmed. Uh, And apparently he wanted to take his name off the movie, but couldn't contractually. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I heard it's a hot mess. That's funny for a movie called Snowman. All right, what was the second movie, Kevin? Uh, The Kissing Booth, a Netflix teen romantic comedy. That apparently features a 15-year-old girl who's in love with a 15-year-old boy, but the 15-year-old boy looks like he's 27. (laughs) I'd like to see, actually, we probably looked at this before, but I wonder how old those actors actually are. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. If you're going to do a high school movie, no actor can be over 21 years old. If that actor can legally drink, they can't play a freshman in high school, okay? As I get older, Johnny, I don't know if you found this, but I can definitely tell, like, oh, yes, that is a high school student. Like, I could tell by the age now because they look so young. But then when I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy's my age. (laughs) And yet they're like, I'm just a sophomore trying to make the football team. Really? Okay, so it seems like uh, Joey King, who is the uh, main protagonist, um, was born in 1999. Okay. So that would make her uh, probably a high school senior a couple years ago. Yeah. Great. Joel Courtney, who plays the main love interest. The main hottie. The main hottie. 1996. Yeah. So he's a little bit old. He's 22? 
actually, you know, what? I, and I'm not even sure if he's because there's two brothers in it, and we're not gonna ruin the storyline or anything. But I'm just searching on IMDb, uh, and there's two characters. Um, their names are Noah Flynn and Lee Flynn. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one is the main love interest and which one is his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another actor, Jacob Elordi, is born in 1997. So we definitely got some actors on the upper end mm-hmm. of the acceptable I'm in high school range. Oh, yeah, for sure. I hope we don't have to like base our criticism of the movie off that. I'm sure it'll be plenty bad in its own right. Oh, yeah. Do we want to do the kissing booth next? I kind of want to do, I don't know. I feel like if we did the snowman and it was actually somewhat scary at points, like we wouldn't be talking. Mm-hmm. So let's do the kissing booth. We're going to get to the snowman. So, Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Let's watch kids be silly and awkward and goofy in high school. Because we wouldn't know anything about that. The kissing booth. She can tell her best friend anything. Except this one thing. She loves him? Yeah, she loves him, Kev. But I know. <laughs> I wrote You're good, it. man. You should write. You I should. wrote a screenplay <laughs> for the kissing booth. She can tell her best friend anything except that she once killed a man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a twist I would that's, be interested in. That's the plot that's of Snowman. That's the one you should write. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the plot of Snowman. No, okay. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to think of like things that, you know, she can tell her best friend anything except what happened at summer camp. <laughs> except how her mom and dad are swingers. <laughs> <laughs> too weird, too out there. No, Maybe. not at all. <laughs> let's think let's try to think of jokes about what she can't tell her best friend. She can tell her best friend anything. She, she can tell her best friend anything. Except for the fact that she has six toes. <laughs> <laughs> She could tell her best friend anything other than that she's the reason her goldfish died. <laughs> <laughs> she can tell her best friend anything except for the fact that he has spinach in his teeth. <laughs> you have? Oh, never mind. You're yeah, just you're so just, handsome. It's just, uh, never mind. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're still an attractive guy. All right, so we're going to do the kissing booth next time. It's going to be our next watch. Woo! A hot 140, sorry, an hour 45 minutes. Oh, that's still too long. That's way too <laughs> That's long. That's still too long. I mean, it's not 145 <laughs> minutes, which is like how long? Like the dark. Like the aviator. Yeah. That's <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Way the future. That's a Martin the Scorsese future. with uh, with a uh, final cut. Like. Yeah. The way of the future. Mm-hmm. The way of the future. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. His movies long. <laughs> long. Martin Scorsese movies. There's one way I could describe all of them. It's long. Big hit of the llama. Mm-hmm. Long. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we also. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, we love the show Succession. We have not uh, been afraid to say so, but we haven't really had the time uh, over the past couple weeks to talk about why we love it and kind of review the for whole first season as a whole, which now for the past two weeks, I believe, has been concluded. But now's the perfect time to watch it. Be- 
because all the episodes are available. Yeah, it is a bingeable show, despite being in HBO's traditional model of weekly releases. I, I think it's a bingeable show for sure, but it's the type of show that tires you out after That's uh, true. an episode. And my friend Gabe is going through it now, and he said, he was talking to me about it, how like, because of how much you know, writing and jokes and little things and crazy moments you're getting in each episode, it does wear you out. It's almost impossible to catch everything the first night time through. Like, oh, yeah. I've rewatched only a couple episodes, but I've caught so much that I had previously missed. Yeah. Um, John, did you just want to explain what the show is kind of briefly for anyone who's not familiar with it? Because I feel like there are a lot of people not familiar with it. Because usually some are on HBO, you know, unless it's Game of Thrones, you know, people yeah. might not be tuned in Sundays. So Succession is a TV series about a dysfunctional American global media family that premiered... <coughs> Murdochs! <on> H- <coughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's analogous to the Murdochs. Uh, on HBO is where it is. It was created by Jesse Armstrong... With Will Ferrell and Adam McKay serving as executive producers, I imagine more so Adam McKay's touch being more evident and visible on the show than Will Ferrell's, for instance. But yeah, I don't think Will Ferrell's on set for the show being yeah. like, maybe you guys could puke. <laughs> <laughs> Adam McKay know. is like definitely in the writer's room mm-hmm. and like consulting with the directors and the uh, photography. Um he also directed the pilot episode. Um, it started in June, and um, it was announced very shortly after that that it was going to be renewed for a second season. So we have that to look forward to. Um, but essentially, uh, Succession follows the Roy family, Logan, Roy, and his four children, who control basically one of the biggest media and entertainment conglomerates in the world. Basically, we go like... We track their lives as they figure out what the future will hold for them once uh, their aging father begins to step back from the company. Well said. Yeah. Well, you should tell that to Wikipedia. (laughs) Thanks, Wikipedia. (laughs) Johnny, I've been thinking about how to describe this show, or what I think of the show. This show, to me, is the 2001 Oakland Athletics baseball team of television shows. Is it really? Is that the, that's the money ball? It's the money ball <laughs> of shows because you gather together, you know, some of like the writers from various shows and smaller directors of various shows. Mm-hmm. You gather together a cast that it's not like it's not Amy Adams in Sharp Objects. So you're no. like, oh shit, Amy Adams is on television. Great alcoholic. Yeah. But it's like you get. It's like it's like when they were like getting the team together and they're like, Wait, you wanna get the brother of Macaulay Calkin on this show? <laughs> and you wanna get like the guy who played uh Mr. Darcy like twenty five years ago or like <laughs> fifteen years ago on the show and who's that? Uh, Matthew McFadden. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god. And it's like you wanna get, you know, the seventh billing from uh you know, uh what was the movie? Adam McKay directed about the recession. Oh, um, the big short. Yeah. It's like you want to get the seventh billing guy on that. And, you know, it's like, it's just like it gathers together like the most, <laughs> like the best. Efficiency. Yeah. 
cast you can. And it's not, there's no like CGI in it. And so it's like, okay, we're filming on these locations. Yeah. But it's like, you know, nice apartments and nice offices and stuff. And fucking castles. Yeah. In in England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and another thing, another thing that I think likens it to the 2001 A's is that it didn't like blow us out of the park right away. No. And it didn't necessarily know what it was right away or figure it out, you know, right off the bat. But but episodes six through eight are the Oakland A's, uh, like what was it, twenty one game win streak, like making the playoffs, or just a just just a yeah. win 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 into the playoffs, which is the two part wedding episodes. Yeah, yeah. The um, the show and the season just continues to gain momentum as it goes, and it's thoroughly enjoyable on many different levels because of the way that the characters are set up through the first, um, you know, few episodes, though yeah. they're not, like, exactly dialed in yet. They're they're feeling their way around the characters and what, what their relationships to each other are supposed to look like and mm-hmm. sound like and what we're supposed to care about them. And, and it's funny because as, like, a family drama, like, they have to kind of make excuses for them throughout the season to, like, group back up again. Like, we get little snippets of, uh, you know, Shiv as, like, the daughter who's in politics, like, doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Tom, her fiancé, and Greg have, like, this little bromance, which is funny when it's off doing its own thing. But, yeah. like, every one and a half to two episodes, like, the whole family has a reason to gather back together whether it's, like, a highly publicized, like, uh, you know, family therapy session or whether it's, like, a big board meeting or whether it's Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. or whether it's, uh, you know, a benefit dinner or whether it's Shiv and Tom's wedding. Yeah. It's like, those are five big things that, like, excuses to just bring everyone together and get their whole, like, family dynamic and family potion bubbling yeah. again. And that's what's so smart about the show is the show is, like, instead of it being, like, I'm just going to casually show up at the, your apartment, which is not what brothers and sisters and sons and parents do. Mm-hmm. Whenever they meet up, it's because of a reason. And that creates, especially after the first three episodes... It creates like six minute mini plays. Yeah, you know, it's characters on one set, whether it's like an apartment for Thanksgiving, like you said, or the wedding, and then that's when it creates like the walking up to characters and you know conspiring and, the and like openly acknowledge like that's the reason why they're all there to be yeah. together. It's like oh, like Thanksgiving, like oh, it's almost like we're a family. Yeah. And then, like, Shiv's wedding, it's, like, the mom is being all cheeky and funny, being, like, how how long do you give it? <laughs> and, like, all this, like, <laughs> they're and, – and even calling bullshit on, like, kind of the mid-season-ish, like, highly publicized, like, family therapy thing. Like, mm-hmm. being, like, why are we even here? Like, yeah. it's very funny and self-aware, and all the characters almost have, like, a, a sort of outer shell of giving a shit about one another. And then on the inside are like, this is all bullshit. Like, what, what, what the hell are we doing? Like, yeah. uh, th- how do I get my best result out of this? Yeah. And it's awesome to see everyone be an asshole. And the and another thing which it's I Shakespearean I with a lot of sex jokes. Yeah. And I can't. That's a very that's a very good 
That's a very good description, Kevin, I got to say. Mm-hmm. And I can't take credit for this um, note. I believe I read it on The Ringer um, by a certain Jason Concepcion, mm-hmm. but it doesn't glorify being rich and it doesn't glorify no. having money which is great because shows seem like they can do that sometimes like oh how awesome it must be to just be able to do whatever you want whenever yeah. but it like makes these it doesn't make these people look like superheroes yeah and and i feel like a lot of people were like i don't want to watch billions because i don't want to see like a lot of rich people be rich that's, that's what billions is right yeah oh, i think it's a guy that has billions <laughs> I have not seen it's a hedge fund manager and yeah. an attorney general. Like, okay. Yeah, I- I'm sure there's a bigger hip hop soundtrack in Billions. Yeah. Than there is in like uh, in Succession, which is basically this one piano that like son like yeah. thing that they just do over and over again, and it gets more and more creepy as the show goes on. And in in, in the tenth episode, it's just like devastating and foreboding, where like. You know, twenty for like the last like twenty five minutes of the episode, you're like, "Can you please stop this piano? It's it's driving me insane." I had to like pause and restart the last episode. It was so just. <sighs> <sighs> it's really good. If you, for anyone out there listening who hasn't watched this yet, do yourself a favor and watch it. Get your dad's or you know your roommates or your second cousin's HBO Go password. Yeah. And binge through it. It you could do it in one day. It'd be a no. I would not recommend it in one day. <laughs> do it over a weekend. I would say a long weekend. Yeah, do it over Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Like watch two episodes. There you, you know, go. Two episodes. You know, spread it out because it will be like oh, fuck. it'll be like uh, Mindhunter, which I shouldn't have binged in one day, but I did. That's a little darker almost. Oh, though. it it. Screwed my psyche for a bit. <laughs> I think I think Mindhunter is darker than Succession. I think uh, Succession's got a little more levity to it, though it is sad and kind of devastating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, if you know, so many shows nowadays are like we've got a big name actor and it's spectacle, and this is a show that just feels like ground and pound, good actors, good writing. Good directing helps to amplify the story tenfold, you know. Sure, there are good actors on Game of Thrones and, you know, True Detective and stuff, but they're going for spectacle and they're going for YouTube clips and they're going for OMG moments. This just feels like a TV show that we're not going to be getting much of in the future. And I think that's why it was so surprising and so exciting and why I think it, you know, lingers on our minds still. Should we go through the cast really quick, or do we want to just kind of leave it at that? I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. You okay. know, we talked about the talented cast, and it's a talented, you know, B squad performing. It really level. is. Uh, you know, basically the biggest name in there is Brian Cox as Logan Roy, and mm-hmm. uh, from actually. <laughs> I, the cast is great. Everyone just go look it up for yourself. You should watch this show. It's fun and uh, and it makes you think and it's also really sad. Well, we will say uh, Cousin Greg is the MVP of the he, show. He certainly is. Nicholas Braun deserves awards for his portrayal of mm-hmm. the insecure, like, unsure guy in all of us. And it's it's funny, too, because you think about 
if I was thrown into this family, if I was thrown into this giant business, who would I be? Uh, I'm I'm not sure I would really like it in the <laughs> death pit. <laughs> Greg is chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. <laughs> oh, Greg, one goes away, one saves the day. Fuck, Greg I is see chopping you. It up. <laughs> Greg, you cocore. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up, fucklehead. <laughs> All right. Those this are, is those this are why I need quotes. to watch the show. Yeah, those are those are quotes from that that murderer's row Kevin was talking about of yeah. episodes six, seven, and eight. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll leave it at that for succession, um, and we'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. Thank you. Um, we love TV on this podcast. We love movies. And we love a lot of things. Um, but there, I don't think there's anything we love more than moody shows about the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I'm going to let Kevin take the reins here to talk about a, a show that's kind of been on the periphery for like four years now. Uh, Okay, this is this is. I just need to do a, a little mini rant here. The best television show, the best television show currently in production is back. And it's not Game of Thrones. It's not True Detective. It's not billions. Know, it's not. It's not billions. <laughs> it's not Ozarks. It's Ozark. Goddamn. It's not Michael Bluth is now in Missouri. It's Better Call Saul. Now, this is a message to our listeners, okay? If you watched Breaking Bad, if you loved Breaking Bad, it's one of your favorite shows and you fondly remember it, and yet you don't watch Better Call Saul or think Better Call Saul is too slow or don't think that there's enough to mine with a backstory of Saul Goodman... You're a freaking idiot. Don't be such a freaking idiot. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. What happened between 2014 and now that you now have ADHD and can't watch television anymore? You know... People's expectations were put way too high from the end of Breaking Bad. Like, I feel like the nation caught up to Breaking Bad between, like, the beginning of season four Mm -hmm. and, like, season five as, like, the Mm -hmm. end. Because I remember it being like not a big deal for a year or so while I was watching it, and then by the time season five came around, we were having like like watch parties with like twenty yeah. people there and everything. Yeah, like and I feel like the end of the end of that had like suffered somewhat due to like streaming stuff and people being able to catch up that way. And then like it was like this whole thing, and it's like oh, Breaking Bad is wild. Well, and now Better Call Saul is a lot more subtle. And uh, has much more uh, reliance on, like, acting and tone. Well, I'll tell you one thing, though. All three seasons of Better Call Saul are available to stream on Netflix. Same way Breaking Bad was. 
And I bet you Saul's ratings and by the time this is over, which is will probably be in six seasons like Breaking Bad, it'll be back up to that level. Hopefully. Hopefully. This show is just as good as Breaking Bad. And it, I have no hesitation saying that. Good on you. It is a smaller budget, yeah, but the stakes are just as high. The characters are just as interesting. The acting is just as good, and the writing is that same taking your time, pace, you know, rewarding writing and filmmaking. Do you remember how when you used to watch Breaking Bad, there would be scenes with Mike, and you wouldn't know what Mike is doing, but you would just be watching what Mike was doing for five to ten minutes, and knowing, like, I don't know what he's doing, but just loving and enjoying that watching him do things. They, Vince Gilligan and the showrunners from both of these shows, and the directors and the DPs, have such a good way of showing like process and setup and like criminal thinking Mm -hmm. and like procedure Mm -hmm. and it is so delicious and people love it just like you're saying without even understanding what's happening yeah there that's back baby (laughs) that's back Yeah, sure. You're getting me excited, Kevin. Sure, it's not Walt or Jesse or the you know the characters you love, but it's just as interesting characters, and it's the same type of patience and reward that you don't get. Game of Thrones, they're trapped on an island, and in five minutes, a dragon has appeared on the island to rescue them. It's ridiculous. There's no pay. There's no patience and payoff and reward for that. This brings back that feeling of earned television that you had with Breaking Bad. You had, you watched the first seasons and you watched the slow moment. So in the time, by the time Jesse and Walt are robbing the train and it's heart pounding and you can barely breathe, you feel like you've earned that as a viewer. You know? Saul's just Mm -hmm. like that. In the Reiner article, uh, the best episode they picked for Better Call Saul was episode five of season three. Episode five. Really? In the middle. So if you think about it, th- it's the same show of building it up and having great moments in the middle, you know? Great moments in each episode. Great iconic moments. Mm-hmm. That moment with Chuck that they chose uh, is probably one of the best moments of the show. But I can still name just as good moments. And yes, you know where Mike's going to end up. And you know where Saul's going to end up. And they bring back Gus Fring in the I've, third season. Yeah, I've heard that it, even in the fourth season, the the connective fibers are starting to draw everything even closer together. Yeah. To Breaking Bad. But you, but you have to think, you know, people are like, well, who wants to know about what the background of Saul Goodman is. I do. How how can you not find it fascinating to try to understand how a man or how a person ends up being a strip mall USA... Cinnabon. Yeah. You know... Cinnabon manager. Well, Cinnabon manager in the future, but also just that lawyer. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's you know. That has a fake constitutional convention, you know, Independence Hall room yeah. as his office. That's hilarious. 
you know, you see those people in real life and you wonder how they ended up like that. Like, how did Salino and Barnes end up like Salino and Barnes? Salino and Barnes, injury attorneys, call 8888. There's too many eights. There's too many eights in that number. I I would never call them because of that reason. Yeah. I don't like the way it sounds. Yeah. It sounds like you're contacting the devil. But yeah, without it's, sixes, it's eight. It sounds like you're having some kind of brain episode. Call 888-888-888-888-888-888. Yeah. Um, I just, I love the show, and I feel good watching it. Like, I don't feel dumb. I feel smart. That's I've, good. And I've, You I've, are smart, Kevin. And I have to tell you, like, just going back to a world that's like, it's not a mythical land. It's not a, you know, magical realism, you know, s- setting. Mm-hmm. It's Albuquerque. Sometimes Tucson. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like the it, desert, it, man. Yeah. That, that uh, same, there's something to the desert. That same desert, you know, setting and, you know, law firms and mosaic tiled buildings, they're back. And, and I like blue. Yeah. It, it's It's... You don't need a lot. And we just talked about Succession, how, you know, you don't need a lot. You don't need a lot. Good writing, good acting. Good writing, good acting, good directing. It's That's a, all you need. It's a magical triumvirate. And if you're like, but I know what happens to Saul, and I know what happens to Mike. Well, there's other characters that that's that's an even higher achievement yeah. that makes that, that why this show being so good is 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 so impressive is because we know most of the end of the story for our main characters Mm -hmm. and we still are so drawn in by how they got there and And, yeah and what made them do what they did and believe it or not uh vince gilligan's and the people who wrote breaking bad can also create characters that are so good and so fascinating and so interesting that you wonder well what's going to happen with them you know there's, there's just half of the characters guys like that you don't even yeah that just kind of float. I in just don't out. understand how they could create characters that you know I'm fascinated to learn what's going to happen to them. You know, well now Kevin, you know as I as I told you, I only I only watched about a season and a half of this on Netflix. Yeah, it's on my list now. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna watch another episode later today. Well, that's part I'm of the reason to it is. Now is that we've gotten into that Breaking Bad sweet spot where it's available to stream on Netflix. You can binge it. It's definitely a show that you can binge. But now that the show is ramping it up to like six, seven, eight, you know, mm-hmm. now's the time to binge it and then jump into the weekly viewings and Get Catch back, up on season five. Get back to that feeling you had when you were watching the fourth, fifth, sixth season of Breaking Bad. If you missed that feeling, Better Call Saul's been here the whole time, and it's been just as good. And you're an idiot. You're an idiot. If you love Breaking Bad and say, one of the greatest shows of all time, and you don't <laughs> watch Better Call Saul, you're an idiot. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. I think uh, I think that'll that'll do it for us. We've covered uh, all that we wanted to today. Had a good little podcast. Thank you for listening to all the viewers out there. Um, uh, as always, you know, hit us up on Twitter and on Gmail. You know what they are. I'm not going to say them. Um, 
We were happy to have you once again. We were happy to be here and talking to microphones. Yeah. Don't forget to um, subscribe and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. That Please is do. huge for us. Uh, if we get a good rating, you we've, know. We've and got enough stuff. reviews to actually have a five-star rating right now, don't we? Yes. And will that hold? Probably not. Probably not. But, <laughs> but we'd like to have more reviews than a five-star rating anyway. Yeah. If you're going to give us below three, uh, email us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us how we can improve. Uh, but feel free to give us, you know, uh, you know, a decent rating. That'd be always much appreciated. And that will help us in the future as we try to hopefully uh, grow this podcast. And if you'll excuse me, I'm due for a couple episodes of Better Call Saul. So, you idiot. For Kevin Hill, <laughs> I'm Johnny Lake. Stop being such idiots. Stop being such idiots. See you later. <laughs>